The disciples are having a sight problem. As close as they are to Jesus, as many times as they've sat at his feet or watched him do his work or listened to him preach or watch him heal, they still don't know what time it is. They just can't see it. The story of James and John that precedes this particular story is an example of this. Here are two disciples approaching Jesus to say, we want you to do whatever we ask. And Jesus says, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? They say, put one of us at your right hand and one of us at your left hand, looking for power and position when the king would come into his glory. In this particular section of Mark's gospel, Mark uses um, physical malady to make the point the fact that the disciples can't see, don't understand. Somebody can't hear or somebody can't see. In fact, just before this healing in chapter 8, there's another blind man looking for sight and Jesus touches his eyes and he says, can you see now? Can, can, can you see me now? And he's like, no, I can't. Those people still look like trees. Jesus touches him again and then he can see. Mark's sermon that he's preaching to us in his writing is all about partial sight and misunderstanding. And sadly, the disciples in Mark's gospel never get it. They are fondly called by some of my friends the disciples for a reason. <laughs> they just don't get it, ever. And in the short ending of Mark's gospel, which is the true ending of Mark's gospel, even as Je Jesus is on the cross, the disciples run away in fear, leaving the scene empty. Even in that moment, they didn't get all the teachings. But then there's Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Bar meaning son, Timaeus being his name. I want to call him Tim because that's just easier. Tim is an example of what it means to get it. In other words, even though he's physically blind, he knows who Jesus is. He gets what time it is. He's heard the stories. He's around the way. Here comes Jesus. There's a big clamoring crowd. And Tim is sitting by the side of the road with his cloak spread out before him so he can catch the coins that he'll hear fall but won't see fall. And screams out, Yo! Son of David, have mercy on me. I like paraphrasing. And the disciples and the people around are like, shh, shh, don't disturb the, the healer. And he says it even louder. Hey, the son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus tells the folks to bring him to him. And he asks Bartimaeus the same question he had asked James and John. Okay. He asked him the same question. What do you want from me? And Tim says, I want to see again. I want to see again. Which is to say that at some point he could see. I want to see again. A simple request, but actually not so much because Tim is standing in for all of us. All of the people, all of the people in the in the created order, actually, all of the people who might ever hear his story told, he's standing in asking the question, I know that's my question. 
I want to see again. Because sometimes I can't see so well. Sometimes I am blind to my own personal stuff and it gets in the way of the life I want to live. I know I'm the only one in the room who has personal stuff, <laughs> but I'll just put mine on the table. I can be re-traumatized like I was by all the Kavanaugh stuff. And I can't see that I've moved beyond or healed beyond some childhood trauma. For, for the moment, I'm regressed. Do you understand what I'm saying? For the moment, I'm nine again or 11 again or 18 again. I can't see at that time that I've, I, I, I've actually healed and you got to call your therapist so you can see again. Sometimes I can't see that when I'm being a helpful wife, I'm actually getting on John's last damn nerve. <laughs> do you want some water? Do you need some coffee? Do you need some tea? Can I help you? Like, oh, shut up. You know, leave me alone. I can't see that I'm being a nudge or a pain in the butt because I think I'm being loving. And sometimes I certainly can't see the church's complicence in the events of the week. I can't see it because I'm a professional Christian. And I can't see it until something happens and then I'm reminded. My, my, my sight might even be partial, but I'm, I can see the blurry things for which the church is responsible. I've been running around the country talking to people for the last two weeks and I'll be doing it again. And in these moments, I, I'm like, oh, so here's what it is. We somehow, long time ago, thought we were the only way and the only truth and the only life. And if we thought we were the only way and the only truth and the only life, then we went around the business of converting everybody to our point of view. And how did we do that? We didn't just do that with like the four laws and the prayer books. We didn't just do that in a one-on-one -on -one conversation of like, let me just sort of tell you about the way. We tortured people who didn't believe that Jesus was the way and the truth and the life. We had the crusades, for God's sake, a campaign to convert Europe to the way, the truth, and the life. We forced Jewish people to get baptized and converted to prove to them that Jesus was the way and the truth and the life. I was at uh, Eastern University this week talking to these amazing Christian young people who are in this school being taught that justice, justice, justice matters. And in the most loving conversations and the most interesting encounters, and I'm pushing and shoving because you know, my eyes are opening up. I'm, I'm understanding, I'm having partial sight at least, that the church is responsible for some of the junk happening in the world. And I'm, I'm saying, then what if, what if there's more than one way? Because you talk like that to college kids. They don't run out the room. What if there's, what if God speaks more than one language? What if God loves all the people? What if, what if God made gay people gay and made trans people trans? What if that's all true? One of their professors was furious with me. <laughs> furious. I mean, stuttering 
uh, 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 isn't it schizophrenic? If the Bible says this and you believe that, I said, is it? Is it schizophrenic if you eat shrimp? When the Bible says don't eat shellfish. Is it schizophrenic when you have on spandex, which I do, and the Bible says don't wear mixed fabric? And he said, that's the kosher law. That's the kosher law. I said, oh, so we've redacted down to 10 easy to keep commandments and the rest of it's kosher? No, what's happened is that we've, we've begun to see differently. Our eyes have opened up. We outgrow the God of our childhood and we see God's love and grace and mercy are for everyone, for everyone. A lovely young lady said, oh my God, that's so, that's so helpful. I never thought about it that way. Like, you're opening up my eyes. I never thought about it that way. And then, in a very lovely voice, she said, but so wait a minute, I, I can see that. But how do we convert them? Because isn't that our job? I said, no, baby, that's not our job. Our job is to try to love God with everything we have and love our neighbor as ourself. And if we love our neighbor as ourself, we have to respect who they are and whose they are and their faith and their spiritual practice and their sexual orientation and their race. I told her, it's a small leap from we've got to convert them to we can shoot them. It's, a, it's in the same trajectory from we must convert them to we will torture them. It's on the same arc of Jesus is the only way to the devaluing of black knives, to the lynching of black bodies, to the torture of Jews, to the crusading against Muslims. So we, Christians, have to own our junk and we have to see better. This is still a Christian nation. It was still Christian-ish websites that Mr. Mann looked at when he started making the bombs to send them against Trump's enemies. It was still some Christian-ish thinking, teaching that made that man go in that synagogue and shoot those people on the baby's birthday. That is just horrifying. And we have to own our part in it. Even as we grieve with our friends, even as we're outraged at the violence, we have to undo the churchy thinking that makes us think that somehow we've got something that nobody else has. Come on now, we have to own that we don't know, can't see as much as we wish we could and do. We are not clear that God is more mysterious, more magnanimous, more gracious, more able to do more than we can ask or imagine and does not need our bigotry to do her work. So the professor is furious about gay, the children are concerned about converting, People are pissed about 
uh, trans, and all of this stuff in the name of the God they're creating, who isn't God at all. Who isn't God at all. God is love. Period. That's the hermeneutic through which we must interrogate our Bible. That is the lens through which we must study our lives and prove ourselves to be acceptable. Just love, period, period. So what are we gonna do? We're, ups I'm upset, we're upset. I think it's good to be upset. I think this crap has been underneath the surface for a long, long time. For as long as bodies swung from southern trees. For as long as 80 years ago, when on a certain couple of nights, November 8th and 9th, a pogrom of rounding up Jews and taking them to concentration camps began the Holocaust. This is not new, but what we have to do is we have to commit ourselves to change, to the transformative power of love, to allow ourselves to be fixed by love, convicted by love, challenged by love, and changed by love. That's all. And, there, and there's some practical things. At the end of the worship today, there's going to be some beautiful cards up here for us to sign and send to our friends at Tree of Life Synagogue. I hope you'll do that. At 2 o'clock today, there is a service at Temple Emmanuel on 65th Street and 1st, 5, 5th. Thank you. I saw the word one. One 65th Street. One E 65th Street is at 65th and 5 at 2 o'clock. Go be in solidarity. Three, you've got, we've, we, you, we've got to unlearn. We've got to unlearn that exclusivity. All of our faiths are, are guilty of it, right? But we can change that. We can teach our children differently. We can model differently. We can be curious about other people's faith walks. We can stop acting like the club we're in is the only club in the world. Because it's not. And we can make love the guiding ethic of our life. Love takes us to the poles. Love takes us to work. Love takes us to the classroom. Love takes us to the street to march. That's it. That's all. Everything else is fluff and mostly made up because we're not sure. Yep. Sorry. It's the truth. What is essential is the love ethic of the one who touched blind eyes to heal. We are in good company when we're confused. The disciples were duh. But today, could be the beginning of our new way to be, newer than yesterday. Traumatized by this violence in our world, let's stand up for love and have love open our eyes and our hearts to what it really means to be people of faith. Amen. Sweet.
Uh-huh. 